Yo, yo, what's going on? Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I'm so glad that you are here listening in to my interview with Dr. Anthony Balduzzi. Guys, this is a real treat. I mean, this guy is spectacular. He knows his stuff. He knows how to talk to men. I mean, I just, I can't say enough good things about him. We had an absolutely phenomenal interview. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a rundown on who this guy is. Anthony Balduzzi was a champion bodybuilder before he became a naturopathic doctor. Today, he's the founder of Fit Father Project, where he helps busy men over the age of 40 live healthier, happier lives. He does this through his YouTube channel with over 600,000 subscribers, where he provides a lot of workout content, uh, supplement information, and then tons of other programs as well, in addition to tons of resources that you can find you know, uh, pretty much anywhere on his website, Fit Father Project, all that kind of stuff. Now, the reason I brought Anthony on the podcast today is because I really am seeing more and more the link between our physical health and our spiritual, mental, and emotional health as well. And admittedly, I have been taking care of my physical health, you know, over the years, but I haven't really been doing a lot to talk about it here. And so, you know, we've had Justin Rothling, chauffeur, who works with professional athletes and uh, is the founder of Own It. He came on recently. We've had Chris Wilson, who kind of speaks a little bit more to like kind of the everyday person. And I wanted to bring him Dr. Balduzzi because uh, he does understand, you know, bodybuilding and some of those things that we've touched on in the past, but he really comes through a a natural lens. And so we talk about sleep and circadian rhythm, breathing, uh, and and supplementation, and just a whole bunch. It's very wide-spanning. This guy knows his stuff. He's Italian, so he talks a little bit fast. You can see in his answers, he crams in so much information. So this is a little bit of like drinking from a fire hose, but I'll just say straight up, like there was one thing he talked about um, with like syncing your circadian rhythm. And, and how getting exposed to sunlight matters and how the way you do it is important. And I realized that even though I had been doing this, I was actually doing something wrong. I'm going to let you find out what it is. But it was I've, I've made a change since to my routine. And I'm already feeling the difference a, a little bit. Uh, it's been kind of cool. So uh, very knowledgeable, very, uh, very just, again, like easy snippet kind of takeaways. And I know you guys are going to be super, super blessed by this interview. So without further ado, uh, let's jump in. My interview with Anthony Balduzzi. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right, well, I'm here with Anthony, founder of the Fit Father Project, Fit Mother Project, and man, you got a whole bunch of cool things going on. Welcome to the show, bro. Thanks, man. Happy to have you. Well, happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. And so you, I honestly, I almost don't know where to start with you because you were a national championship bodybuilder. You have your degree in naturopathic medicine, and you're really uh, conveying a message about health that I think is necessary, uh, much more holistic. I've been super selective of the fitness people I bring on here because uh, we don't want like the meatheads and the gym gurus. Those guys are great. I'm not actually really against them. It's just I think for our audience in particular, you have a very well-rounded message, and I and I love that. So I hope we can cover a whole bunch of stuff today. But I know that um, this actually did not start with just a passion for science or 
wanting to compete on a stage. This actually started with something really personal, man. And if you don't mind, I'd love to hear a little bit of the story that has driven your interest in this field in the first place. For sure. So as people probably learned from the introduction, you know, I run a company called Fit Father Project and the sister company Fit Mother Project. And the reason I started those is because I watched my own dad growing up basically do what many of us guys are told to do bust our butts to put food on the table, provide for our families, chase our dreams and our missions. And in the process, if we look around, so many of us end up putting our health and our fitness and our habits on the back burner. And like that may work for us in our 20s and we have a certain amount of physical resilience, but then the toll starts to stack up in your 30s and eventually in your 40s. So I watched my dad work himself to the bone, not take care of himself, and he eventually got a cancer diagnosis. And he died when he was just 42, but he got his cancer diagnosis when he was in his young 30s. So imagine that being getting getting oh. a cancer diagnosis in your young 30s, having going through multiple years of brain surgeries, chemotherapy, having two young kids and just basically like withering away and dying. Like that's the dad I saw. At the same time, I saw he was still my superhero, the guy I looked up to. But I but I learned from a very young age watching my dad's trajectory that like health is literally the foundation of everything we love. You know, if we don't prioritize our health or have the foresight to do that now, um, we can set ourselves up for big problems down the road. Now, the silver lining of that is after my dad died, I was nine years old. My mom gifted me a pair of his dumbbells and I got very serious about my life. I got serious about training. I got serious about, you know, I didn't understand what I was doing at the time, but I I figured that if I could do some things proactively to eat a little bit better and to do some things with the weights that I could become stronger and healthier. And I also found that as I was going through this deeply emotional and painful time that I know people listening to this can relate to, whether it's through porn addiction or breakups or job stress or family stress, like exercise became therapy for me. As I began to exercise, I started to find that I was shifting my internal chemistry. I didn't know that at the time, but I was feeling more empowered. I was feeling more productive. And then I started to get stronger and see the results and the effects. And when I get this little equation in my mind where I do input and I got an output, For me, that was like personal power that I realized from a very young age. So I ran with that. Uh, In high school, I went to an all-boys Catholic Jesuit high school in Arizona. And so there weren't any girls, so it was cool to lift weights. So I really dove into that. I wrestled, I lifted weights, and I I got very big and strong. And I started to get more confident about it. And friends started asking me, like, how do you train? How do you get big? And it gave me an early sense of, like, identity and purpose, which I think was, like, a guiding force in my life Um, that, that led me into... My 20s, when I became a competitive bodybuilder, I won my university's bodybuilding show twice, which was like a a crowning achievement for me at the time to like be the big guy on campus. And that was so cool. And I ended up competing on higher levels. And and through bodybuilding, I I learned how to really maximize all these variables, sleep, nutrition, supplementation, training to like the extreme to really get a great result. But at the same time, we all know that bodybuilding is not healthy. We look around on Instagram and stuff like that. Everyone's juiced up, self-absorbed and like... I had a flavor of that, but I was doing this like 15 years ago before it was like super, I guess, like mainstream social media eyes, but it was for me. But at the same time, I I maxed out that area. And then something very life-changing happened to me when I was 26. I was in my last year of naturopathic medical school, and I was feeling like a total stud. About to graduate, become a doctor. I was jacked, looking good, you know, out there, you know, trying to, you know, with ladies and all that stuff. And I go on the skiing trip of my buddy, Barrick. And we're skiing like absolute maniacs. We're both good skiers. He's a snowboarder. I'm a skier. And I'm skiing down this slope. And, uh, you know, I have this intuition to slow down, but I basically don't. And and I just bombing. And I do this little jump thing off this uh, off this head wall. And I end up eating shit at the bottom, going about 30, 40 miles per hour. And I slam into a tree. 
And I shatter my body, like almost like almost died on the spot. I'm very fortunate I didn't hit my spine, broke my leg, broke my arm, and and it was just left like completely crumbled. And the reason this this story is relevant is when I reflect on my life and the trajectory and kind of setting the stage for our conversation, this was like the second big inflection point in my life. First one being my dad's death, second one being almost taking my own life from a place of like ego, from a place of like recklessness, from a place of like a young man's kind of mentality towards life. And that process led me through kind of like where I am today through, I guess you could say a physical and spiritual awakening into a more well-balanced, tamed man who understands so much more about the bigger picture of life, how to heal, has my medical background, still understands the bodybuilding, but but now has gone through a hero's journey of, a, of another sort through the last, I guess, like six to seven years. Um, so I, I know it's a lot to cram into, I guess, a few minutes of personal story, but I, 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 I know a lot about the space. I'm deeply compassionate about all men here who want to better themselves, which is why they're listening to this podcast. Fitness yeah. is a huge part of that. Your habits are a huge part of that. Your yes. inner spiritual journey is a huge part of that because all this is completely interconnected. Um, and I, and I think I have the ability to shine light on a lot of this stuff from my own personal experience. Dude, that's an amazing story. I didn't know some of those details, so I'm I'm actually super excited to dive in now. I I have I guess my first question is, how did you go from bodybuilding, being like a national champion, to then naturopathic medicine? That just seems like a a very unusual progression, and I I can't imagine a lot of people you know reach the pinnacle of their bodybuilding careers and then think I'm going to go become a naturopathic doctor. How did that come about? Well, yeah, and I'll, I'll qualify. Like I was, a, I was a great bodybuilder in the junior category. So juniors are typically under twenty three years old. So this is a time where like not everyone is like steroided up to the gills. You know, some okay. people are taking some things, but it's not like IFBB, NPC, Ronnie Coleman kind of style. Like I was, <laughs> you look at me and you're like, man, you guys, are, you're super impressive. But I was also like a young man's super impressive version. That's the level of bodybuilding that I competed to. Okay. Um, Okay, so I guess to say bodybuilding is actually more connected to naturopathic medicine and, and that's just natural approaches than you may think because what a bodybuilder controls are these, these basic variables that I mentioned, sleep, nutrition, circadian rhythm balance, supplementation, mindset. I mean, these are the same things that good holistic medicine pulls, except the levers that a bodybuilding a bodybuilder is pulling is all about ergogenic aids, performance, how can I max out? Whereas a naturopathic or holistic approach to medicine is looking at more to create balance in all of these areas, interconnection and flow. So it's really like all these areas are equally important in terms of investment of energy, but it's just how much are you pushing to the extreme, like full RPMs versus how much are you actually looking at all the gauges and trying to get them in harmony. So there's value in both, right? I mean, by going to the extremes in any of these areas of our lives, we learn a lot that we couldn't if we didn't go there. And that's yeah. extremes of pain as well as extremes of like gain as well. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. So you talked about these variables a couple of times now, sleep, diet, supplementation. Uh, you mentioned the inner spiritual journey before. Uh, um, maybe we can pick a couple of these variables and talk about them a little bit. If somebody wanted to optimize their sleep, for example, that's the thing that jumps out at me because that's the thing I'm working on with my health mm -hmm. coach right now is sleep. And I actually thought I was sleeping pretty well. Like in theory, I chunk aside about maybe seven and a half hours a night to sleep. But then I didn't realize that's different than your actual sleep time, sleep temperature, nighttime routine. Like we've been getting into like, you know, some deeper stuff that I honestly just had no clue about. And I'm starting to see my sleep quality improve a little bit. Um, if you're working with somebody who it's very clear that sleep is, you know, one of the controllables that is really going to move the needle forward for them. How do you get somebody, what, what are some of the things that you look for for somebody to improve their sleep? 
For sure. And I, I got to say, it is everybody listening to this. It is probably one of the highest leverage areas that you can invest in yeah. to move the things forward. Like I, I would much rather have someone eat a like C plus diet, meaning like some healthy foods, some fast foods and stuff and sleep really well, than eat like an A, A minus diet and like be sleep deprived. Like right. sleep is just so foundational to our neuroendocrine system, to our immune system, to the amount of inflammation in our brains, to our neurochemistry balance. It's just like, you can't skimp out on that. And unfortunately, everything in our modern life is creating uh, harmful yeah. pressures against sleep. So we think of sleep, but in, and I hope people haven't heard this too many times, but if you have, listen up, because this is the truth and it's good to just continuously hear the same message. Sleep is not just sleep. It is your circadian rhythm. We are circadian beings. And what circadian means on a particular kind of time clock. And we now know so much more that we have genes, which are expressing our effectively our DNA, our blueprint that end up becoming proteins and different kinds of things that are actually timed on certain clocks. So all of this, your genetic expression is determined on these certain clocks. So the more regular you can be in your schedule, the better. So if anyone here is being very erratic with certain times of waking, certain times of sleeping, like that's low-hanging fruit. But what I really want to get to is the fact that sleep and morning sunshine are one game, the same thing. We need to be entrained to the natural patterns of the sun. All life on this planet is dependent on the, the photonic energy that comes from the sun, right? right. The, the visible light, the infrared, all of it. And our eyes are an extension of our brain and they interface with that sunlight. So the first thing to getting good sleep is actually to really take your morning seriously. And what that looks like is before noon. So ideally earlier, you know, let's just say six to 10 a.m., you know, depends on seasonal and where you live and all this kind of stuff. Like get outside and get sunshine in your eyes unprotected. Mm -hmm. If you wear contacts, take them, make sure they're not in there. Glasses, real sunshine, because what wow. we find is that the light that actually enters your eyes it shines into an area of your brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. This is one of those light sensitive areas in the brain that's also connected to the pineal gland. And it also produces serotonin. Literally, we get light in our eyes in the morning. It produces serotonin for us. And serotonin is this feel good neurotransmitter. It's what we give drugs to increase that when people are depressed. Serotonin makes us feel safe, happy, and connected. So many reasons why we all feel great. We take a walk outside in the forest and we're like just chilling with our buddies and we're just like breathing the fresh air. But light is one of those big variables. And later in the days, that serotonin is converted in the pineal gland to melatonin. And this is this natural calming down anti-inflammatory for the brain sleep regulator. So it's like the yin and the yang. We've heard this concept, the light and the dark, they're absolutely paired. So to have good dark, you must have good light input early in the day. And not enough people are getting morning sunshine. And it's not just about vitamin D. Like vitamin D is cool. It's important. It's good for immune system, testosterone, good to get sun on your skin to a certain extent, but it's more about light in your eyes. So hmm. that's one thing I highly recommend is taking your morning very seriously. Now, we've also heard like this whole story about light, about the blue light, right? We've heard blue light from phones. So you're familiar with this, right? Yep. So there's a whole spectrum of visible light that we see. If you look at like the kind of rainbow, the lowest, slowest wavelengths is red light. And then the highest wavelengths is violet. And below red, we have the infrared. And above violet, we have ultraviolet. So that's like the spectrum of stuff we can see. And blue is a little higher up. It's below violet. It's one of these higher energy wavelengths. Blue light is very energizing. And guess what? When we look up in the sky, the sky is blue. The reason it is blue is because the sun is kicking off blue light emission. It kicks off a full spectrum light, and that's being scattered throughout the sky. And that blue light is energizing for us, and it's meant to be visible to us during the daytime. 
when we want to be energized. There's studies that show that if you get blue light exposure, it improves improves your reaction time and improves focus. It can improve some memory in the short term. So like we want blue light. We just don't want it all the time. So the big okay. message with improving your sleep is in training yourself to the natural light patterns that are found in nature. Like get back to the blueprint, connect yourself to it. So that means like, fine, get the screens, the blue light during the period of the time when it's available in the natural ambient environment. And at night, when the sun goes down, this is where you must wear those blue blocking glasses. This is where you must put night shift mode on your phone where it turns into that orangish sepia color. This means right. like if you're going to bed at night and you're looking at your phone blasting or you're brushing your teeth ahead of time, both bathroom lights are on and it's just like super bright and you're just doing this stuff. You're giving your brain literally the wrong signal. You're saying it is time now for activity when you want to be dark and it's time for rest. And the same thing with your meals. Meals are also timed to circadian uh, activity. When we eat a big meal, our core temperature goes up. And for our bodies, heat is metabolic activity. So if we have a huge, you've had that experience, right? You've had a huge meal and then you like feel hot and sweaty afterwards. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's a lot of digestive activity. There's a lot of blood flow. Blood is carrying heat. The last thing you want to do at night when your body is trying to cool down its core temperature is have a huge meal before you go to bed. And I think many people in our twenties and thirties, we don't realize this because we have robust digestive systems, many of us, and we can get away with like eating crap and like going to bed. But the optimal would be to not eat for several hours before you go to sleep to even have dinner a little bit earlier. So, I mean, there's some people now who are big proponents of intermittent fasting. You know, we've heard of these many intermittent fasting kind of diet plans that are saying that the best way to do it is not actually to fast in the morning anymore. It's to have big meals and big meals in the between breakfast and lunch and actually fast later in the day, begin your fast and almost skip dinner. Now, it's right. typically not practical for many of us who just kind of like have lives, we're hanging out, we're doing things later in the day. Um, but just do understand if you're eating a big meal way late at night and you're on the phone, you're just absolutely screwing yourself. And then the other variables are your environment, as you kind of talked about, like to, to get good sleep, we want the room to be dark, quiet and cold. And so anything you can do to like improve your sleep environment is massive. Can you get shades and curtains to block out more light? If not, I wear a face mask and I put in little earplugs. I've gotten used to it. I like it. It's kind of like part of my thing. And I can kind of like bring that anywhere I am and get quality sleep on that front. If your room right. is too damn hot because you're trying to save a few bucks on like AC or something like that, <laughs> you're screwing your sleep. There are pads that are expensive, like Oolers or chili pads that you can get. You can just get a lighter sheet for certain times of the year. So you maybe not have the same sheet in the winter in Canada as you do when you're getting into the summer. Um, yep. So lighter sheet could be a good idea. Other ideas is you can actually take hot showers or hot baths a few hours beforehand you go to bed. This will cause a heat dumping effect where your body gets hot during the bath or the shower or the sauna, and then it'll actually dump heat and cool you down. So temperature is, is important. And so I, I guess it's, it's a deep conversation, right? I wish there was like a holistic, this is a holistic thing. There's not like one exact thing, but it is really important. That's super helpful. I've been doing the hot shower thing at, uh, at night a little bit before I go to bed. Very helpful. I've also been um, getting intentionally like gaining exposure to sunlight pretty early. I, I wake up at 530 and mm -hmm. this time of the year, the sun is starting to rise. I have not been taking off my glasses and they're blue light blocking like naturally. They have a coat over them. Yeah. So that was super insightful. I did not even connect those dots. So thank yep. you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Yep. Yeah. And, and the other cool thing is like um that people don't realize about sunlight. We think that the sun's just kicking off like light. Only about half of the light from the sun is visible light. The other like almost 40% of it is near infrared. And so if you can get your full mm. skin exposed to that, 
that is phenomenally beneficial. It's beneficial for your mitochondria, increases blood flow. It's like healing for your body. And it actually, they've shown that if people who get morning sun exposure, like whole body sun exposure, it makes you more resistant to the UV radiation that is really reaching your body between the hours of like, let's say 11 till four. That's when you can get burns and skin aging. UV is not really present in the morning and sun, sunshine and sunset. So now to get to this whole spiritual thing, what do I try to do? You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm at the stage of my life where um, I have a routine, I have a daughter, you know, have a family and stuff like this. As much as I can, I try to see the sunrise or get early morning sunshine. And I try to take a few minutes and see the sunset. And I think it's a these are like really nice bookends. They're a reminder to stay connected to circadian rhythm. I'm also getting legitimately the same benefit you see people all biohacking with their juve lights and all these red lights and all these things. Like the sun's giving us these things. Where do where does that input originally come from? It comes from the sun. So yeah. it's good to get it in many ways. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Can you talk a little bit about stress? Because I, uh, the one thing that I've been learning is how important our management of not just our management of stress, but even our being able to increase our response to stress, how important that is, because we live really stressful lives. Mm -hmm. And when I think about what we're talking about, you know, in the scope of pornography, addiction, any kind of, you know, mental illness, or any kind of addiction, stress is at play stress on the body stress on the brain and i'm i would love to hear your take on it because i know uh, from a naturopathic standpoint there's tons of implications but even just general health as well and habits and performance and all that stuff there's a lot to be discussed i mean you can leave this wherever you want but i'd love for sure. you to comment a bit on stress and what some of the things our listeners can do to improve their response to it well okay so i think like stress is 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 a is a blanket term that can be applied in different categories i think there's like a physical stress and a physiologic stress this means like okay we'll talk about physical stress that could be something very taxing like a hard job or a workout creates a physical stress it creates a demand on the muscles the connective tissue the heart the nervous system then there's a physiologic stress too, which is like, how do our endocrine glands respond to any kind of stress? It could be like physical or mental. So how much cortisol and adrenaline do we release on a daily basis? And what's fascinating about that is it's completely tied to our psychological sense of stress. You, mm -hmm. I, and someone else could have a could have the same exact situation happen to us. You and I could both get, sh get shot in the leg with a gun and have a completely different response to it. Like you could, you might be totally fine. I might be freaking out. You know, and the other guy might be like, this is a blessing. I didn't want to go to work tomorrow. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> like there's like, so I guess the important thing to understand is for great health, we're looking at balancing the tone of our nervous system that has these two branches, the sympathetic activated, the parasympathetic, restful, regenerative digesting state. And for the live a long life, we want to be predominantly parasympathetic. I would say 90 to 95% of the time. And we want to be able to activate very intensely into sympathetic. So you think like the highest performing people have a very parasympathetic almost all the time. And that takes time. It takes, this is like a psychological and physical practice to get there. There's resiliency there, but then they can burst when they need to burst in the high intensity burst in a moment of actually like really needing to respond uh, very, very intensely. And people that actually have weaker nervous systems are weaker because they're in an almost like me 50 to 60 to 70% of the sympathetic, like always kind of like low grade activated, never really like totally rested and restored. So anything we can do to help our body stay into a more parasympathetic state 
is going to be massive for us. And this is the whole lifestyle habits. One of the greatest things to do, obviously sleep, right? This is the master parasympathetic reset for us. If you're missing that, right. what are you going to do? You're going to turn to stimulants the next day, right? You're going to get coffee. You're going to use nicotine. You're going to get some other kind of like nootropic thing. And what does that do? That is an external input that's going to drive you into a sympathetic tone because your system's not balanced. So now we're using like external things to modulate a nervous system that's fundamentally dysregulated. So like sleep is massively important. Okay. Exercise is fascinating because it is a stress. When you train hard, you do a high intensity workout, you do a heavy set of squats or deadlifts, like your nervous system is taxed for days later. Yet what's fascinating is the more regularly you do exercise, particularly strength training, it makes you more resilient. So it's like an investment in your resilience. So I would suggest for somebody who's particularly like on the road to recovery, whether it's mental, physical addiction, or just becoming more restorative, it's all about sleep. And it's all about pulsing high intensity exercise, like a few times per week, you don't need to be excessive. I would say if your training session is longer than an hour, it's probably like unnecessary in terms of creating like a good adaptation response. And I would say you also don't need to lift like massively heavy, like in a lower than five rep range, really, really heavy, unless you're a power lifter or have a specific goal more than once to twice per week. But getting right. strength training regularly is super restorative. And then there's a lot of like nutritional factors that are really good. Like what's also stressful for our bodies is having dysregulated blood sugar, right? Constantly allowing these organs to have to like do a lot of work to get blood sugar to come up, to come down. So things like good, healthy diet, doing some fasting, getting sugar out of your, of your, out of your life, watching your intake of all these external substances, like all this is going to help you regulate your body. And I, I guess the promise of this is I've been doing this work for a long time. It's a stepwise process. You need to always pick intuitively what your low-hanging fruit is. It's like, yeah. man, I know this is my thing. I know I'm drinking way too much coffee right now, and I know I'm not prioritizing my sleep enough. Like, Work on that one thing and then build upon that. Um, but, the, but the thing is, like, you can be in a very powerful state over a series of commitments to this. I would say if even someone makes a one-year commitment to like becoming freaking resilient by working on these categories, like you can be dramatically different. You could be a fully different guy. And here's the crazy thing. It's like our experience of life is gated through this, this brain and this nervous system that we do have. We know that when we are, okay, we know when we're like completely depleted because let's say we went on a porn binge and like we just like ejaculated like multiple times and we're just fucking spent the next day. We know we're kind of like tweaked out, sensitive, anxious, you know, looking for a next kind of like dopamine hit. We know what that feels like. We also know what the converse does feel like too, where you feel completely solid, peaceful, like you're like a knife and you can cut through any kind of problems. Things just kind of like go off of you and you just feel strong, grounded, masculine, and like centered. Like that is a state of the nervous system, but it's also a state of the brain's electrical activity. So mm. this is, this is going to tie nicely into the sleep. Uh, that we know there are really like four or five primary brainwave states. And when someone's in like a profoundly deep meditation, they are either in alpha waves or theta waves. These are slower waveforms than what most people are existing in, which is beta waves. Beta waves are every day, you know, we drink the coffee, responding to the emails, thoughts are binging and racing. Those are beta waves. And that's a certain mode of perception of the brain that's very active, agitated, and reactive. And most people live there. Um, and that is, again, reflective of, of basically the stress response. When you begin to become more resilient in your day-to-day -day life, you can become more in this alpha wave state. 
You can also use these binaural sounds and stuff like this to help you and train yourself to become more alpha wave. You can start to meditate. You can do breath work and these breathing practices is moving you into alpha. What alpha feels like is you're like way more, we use the word Zen loosely, but you, you way more centered. You can experience things. You can see and think more clearly. You're actually locked in the zone. You're still active, but you're relaxed. And then if in your life you want to explore these deeper dimensions and you want to really experience what it's like to have these, these what's described as these different cosmic experiences of consciousness, when you, people take psychedelics of any kind of kind, what do these things do? They shift the brain waves into these deeper states. They increase theta. They give these, they also give pulses of these different gamma waves in brain activity. So like your, your experience is dictated by your brain's electrical activity. And that is going to be determined by how you're responding to stress and the habits that you do on a daily basis to shift your nervous system into a resilient state. So I guess maybe like what's practical from that. I hope what comes out is that this is a holistic and super important thing that we must address. And it's just, it's not okay. If you want to be a fully expressed man to just say, it's just stress. We all deal with it. Like, I'm just going to like get on for another day. You could do that for yeah. an entire lifetime and you'll end up like in 40, 40 years old, overweight, probably having some heart issues, maybe erectile dysfunction, looking for Fit Father Project online for men over 40, like looking for my help. And I'd prefer that's not the case. Yep. Yeah, I, I hear you, man. And I feel I feel the same way about the kind of guys that that uh, that are coming into our, our ecosystem as well. You touch on mindset and I want to get to that about, you know, how do you start new habits and how do you start small? Because especially for guys, that's a that's a hard hurdle to overcome, I think, starting small. But one more question while we're talking about parasympathetic state. What is your thought about HRV? I know there's a lot of research surfacing about it and uh, maybe, maybe some some mixed elements. But, you know, you have people like um, I forget his name. Dr. Andrew Huberman wears sure. a root band, tracks his HRV every day. And obviously that plays a lot into the stuff you're talking about in the parasympathetic state. Uh, do you see validity to HRV and tracking it? And my second okay. question would be. What are what is an athlete doing that ninety five percent of the time it's in a parasympathetic state or, or you know roughly I don't know if that's an actual number but how is it so much how is an athlete so much more in a parasympathetic state and what can the everyday person like you or myself do to at least maybe emulate that maybe we don't reach the same kind of optimization but what are other things we can do from you know the big rocks that you talked about yeah. are there things they're doing you know in their everyday moment to moment life that are allowing them to stay parasympathetic sure I mean so first off the quick to quick on HRV. Like HRV, for those who don't know, is heart rate variability. It's basically like if you had a, if you had the heart beats and if you had a perfect metronome, it would be like boom, 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 like perfect. That's actually a sign of a not healthy heart. A healthy heart has some natural variability to its beating. So it's like, bup, 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 bup. It's like a little off. It's a little different. There's some variability in the rhythmicity of the heartbeat. Uh, this turns out that it's super healthy and it's a sign of a parasympathetic state. So HRV is something that a lot of these rings and certain things are tracking is a sign of your nervous system. And like, that's great. You want more of that. Everything we talked about is going to increase HRV naturally. Um, yep. Now, why the athlete connection you brought up is actually super brilliant. Athletes are also the best breathers on the planet. They are people that are having the best oxygen demands. And the number one thing that people can do to start to have a more parasympathetic state is to learn to breathe through their nose in a relaxed way and conscious way all throughout the day. So mm. like nose breathing is our gateway to the parasympathetic tone. Like what happens when people have panic attacks? They have mouth breathing and through the chest. What happens when people are meditating or in a very relaxed state? They're breathing like gently, but deeply in a natural way through the nose, 
filling the diaphragm and all quadrants of the belly naturally. So it's like breath is everything. Breath is the access point to shifting the nervous system. We can activate with the breath. We can relax in the breath. Breath also increases nitric oxide when it comes through the nose. This is this master signaling gas that increases circulation throughout the body and gets us in this very like powerful state. We want a lot of nitric oxide. Nose breathing signals that. Um, So I'd say conscious nose breathing is the number one thing. And to kind of tie this all together, one thing you can do to really kickstart every day like this is imagine if you take this whole light thing in the morning seriously that I've been talking about and you get out even for five, 10 minutes and you go ahead and you nose breathe, you take your shirt off, you get sun on your skin and you just like walk outside. What you're doing is consciously training your body every single day and your mind the middle day to focus on your breath and also to get some early movement in. This is going to kick off momentum every day to kind of shift your body into this parasympathetic state. And then imagine at night when you've had a big day, if you set aside five, 10 minutes to sit, to lie down, I personally have a little bit of a meditation chair near where my bed is. It's like a dedicated space that I sit in even for five minutes, but oftentimes it's much, much longer where I sit, pray, debrief, just allow that kind of built up static, if you will, of a day to dissipate and not be carried into the next day. So I'd say it's like the bookends and the nose breathing and all that kind of like ties together completely. If you can learn to master your breath through your nose, you're going to have the gateway to the parasympathetic system. Okay. That's fascinating because this is, so this is something I've been discovering with my health coach. Part of the reason I hired a health coach is because I was feeling like I was calling, I was basically stuck in fight or flight. And I'd been feeling that way for about a year and a half since I quit my job and started doing my business full time. It's just busy getting it off the ground running and whatever. And I didn't realize how much of a mouth breather I had become. And she was looking at my, some of my data from my whoop band. Uh, this was last week. And she was like, man, what did you do this week? Like something is clearly different. And I had started nose breathing because I heard a podcast about it, but I didn't tell her and I actually forgot about it. And I had made some other tweaks to sleep and whatever. And then this week I've been really stressed and I, I can feel like the tightness in my chest and some of those things that I'm trying to basically get away from. I, our first kid's on the way in October and mm-hmm. I, I really want to get this, these things under control before that happens. And um, yesterday it just occurred to me, I started breathing through my mouth again. Yeah. And like, there it is, right? Like I'm back in that sympathetic state. I had no idea the power of it. And now I understand why my data was so good last week. Yep. And I'm already feeling the difference just in the last 24 hours since I started consciously doing this again. So that like what you're saying, that's not fluff, man. That's for real. Yeah. And I want to tie something in too. I can hear, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick on you, obviously, like this is your no, show. Pick on me. That's I'm, fine. I'm going to help you. But like, um, I can tell, I can see you sound a little slightly congested too. Like, and this is like, and maybe that's not the case, but like, I it am. Sounds, no, I am. Okay. Okay. Seasonal so, allergies. Yeah. Right. Right. But a lot of, a lot of variables here too. So what okay. is mucus? Mucus is one of our body's main defense linings of, of all these like different orifices. So we have mucus in our gut because that's a lining where food comes in. We have mucus in our nose because this is where air comes in. Anytime we have a tract that stuff from the outside is coming to the inside, we have mucus producing cells. And when our body detects our immune system detects anything it believes to be foreign or not good, it'll produce this sticky mucus substance to bind it up. So it doesn't have a chance to get into the deeper levels of the body. And so this is where nutrition actually becomes a big, big, big part of like your success with parasympathetic because most of us today are eating foods that are triggering a mucus response in one way or another. We all have unique food sensitivities and allergies. We've heard a lot about gluten sensitivities, dairy sensitivities, all these different kinds of things. I don't know what anyone individually has, but I promise you, you have some foods you eat 
that will make you feel worse than other foods. And one of the telltale signs is if you eat a particular kind of food and you have a mucus response within like, you know, anytime after eating, that is a food you have a sensitivity to. And if you're doing that constantly, how could you possibly breathe through your nose on a regular basis? You're going to become more stressed. Not only are you going to be more inflamed from eating foods that are like more inflammatory in their very nature, but you're also not going to be able to breathe through your nose, which is going to wreck you. Like a, a book, and you might have read this particular book, is called Breath or Breathe by James Nestor. Like it's a powerful book about Perfect, nose breathing yeah. and how much it like how how important it is. Oh, that's he. I sorry, that's the podcast I listened to. Yeah, he was being interviewed on. I think it was Whoop's podcast talking about nose breathing. Yeah. yeah. So, so right. Essential. So, but I think the thing is like also looking at, that's another reason why nutrition plays into this whole game. It's not just like, if it fits my macros, like I'm coming to the fitness game. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, just get the foods that fit your macros. Like that's one layer of the equation. The deeper layers is there's foods that are uniquely inflammatory to each of us. There are foods that are causing immune responses in each of us. And to live a long life, it's best to figure those out earlier in your life. So you're not like going another five, 10 years, like eating crap. And for most people, it's like non-organic wheat, it's like low quality dairy, it's fried foods, it's lots of sugar. Like these are the things that are typically going to cause the most kinds of reactions. So it's just another reason to get the stuff out. And also like you're, you're a good looking, well-presented guy. If you want to have good skin, if you want to exude vitality, if you want like the opposite sex to look at you and, and like subconsciously say that is a healthy, well specimen that I'm interested in getting to know more, like what expresses on the outside of the system is completely contingent upon what the health of the inside of the system is. So like nutrition is as foundational as anything of this input, everything you put in could be additive for your health or vitality, have minerals and vitamins, or could literally be causing low-grade smoldering inflammation for that short-term sense of like taste satisfaction. And don't get me wrong, I'm not yeah. saying that don't eat foods you love. I'm saying there's a time and place for those. And if there's an 80-20, 80% of your foods are clean, 20 are not, save it for Friday or Saturday night when you're out with your friends or your family, you're doing something and you have one of those meals. And do it post-workout when your body's really nutrient sensitive. Like the rest of the time, like keep it clean. Yeah, yeah, very, very insightful, man. And I, I couldn't agree more. Let me ask you about somebody who's listening to this. They're hearing you talk about sleep, they're hearing you talk about diet, maybe they just heard us talk about breathing and breath work. And they're saying, Okay, Dr. Anthony, I know I need to take a step here and finally turn things around for my sleep diet, whatever it might be. What are the things that you're talking your clients through your patients through to get past those initial hurdles? Because anybody can be excited about something for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, we've all seen this before. We've all probably done it ourselves, but then it fizzles out. What are you doing to instill a bit more longevity when people are starting new practices in their health? For sure. I think there's a good, there's, there's like a lot of, thankfully there's a lot of good research from the fields of like positive psychology, behavioral psychology about what actually works to create traction and change. And I have my own taken approaches there. I, I, I like to think that there's one key domain you should focus on at a time. So like if nutrition is the weak link, like let's zone in on that one. If sleep is the weak link, let's zone in on that one. If deficiency and amount of exercise and training, let's zone in on that one. A mistake that people make is trying to juggle too many balls at once because it's not like this positive change you're trying to make is only thing you're juggling. You're juggling the entire rest of your life. And we have a certain amount of bandwidth and it becomes too overtaxing. We're going to fall off. So let's pick that one domain and work it. Understand that like, like a training plan that's progressive and has like building steps, like you can work phase of this and you will get to everything. It's just a matter of time. So start with the highest leverage stuff first. Now, let's say we are starting with nutrition per se. That's, that's our high leverage point. 
then we want to get, we need a couple things. We need to have tangible behaviors slash a plan that we need to implement. We need to give ourselves the gift of clarity. So you can't just say, I want to eat healthier. Like, how do you do that? You don't. You could say every day for the rest of this week, I'm going to have a salad and protein for lunch. Like that's a very tangible behavior that has like meat to it that is measurable that you can track and it's small. Like you can execute on a salad. You can't execute on eating healthier. So you need to get yourself a clear plan and you need to like actually start to get reps in the dojo by tracking like very, very specific things. And nutrition's deep, right? Because you're changing typically what you've been eating as default mode three times out of the week. Um, you know, three, I'm sorry, three, three, three times a day for people are doing like breakfast, lunch, dinner kind of scenario. Like that's a lot of changes to be made. Um, one thing I like to do specifically on nutrition for guys who want to eat healthier is to start, start the day better. Like hmm. every day is a fresh new day. So if you get a chance to shift into like positive momentum early in the day with the foods you eat, like you're going to be a lot more likely to do better things in other categories. We all have felt the converse. If we like don't eat well or eat like crap in the morning, then the likelihood of us exercising or wanting to do good things later in the day or feeling stressed, it like goes up massively. So yeah. what we like to do is like one, everyone should wake up and like rehydrate with 20 to 32 ounces of water within one hour of waking. And if you want to be a beast, like supercharge that water with minerals, pink Himalayan sea salt, Celtic sea salt, trace mineral drops, some kind of electrolyte powder you do like minerals are so, so essential and overlooked. So like mineralize, get the water first thing in the morning. And then I recommend you standardize your first meal of the day. Whether you intermittent fast and that comes later in the day, or whether you actually have a breakfast, like make it the same breakfast every single day. I've been on like dozens, if not hundreds of podcasts, many of them fitness podcasts for people who like do fitness professionally. And like, I think every single person I've talked to that is fit and teach this stuff has a go-to breakfast, all yeah. of them without a question. It's yeah. always like a protein smoothie. It's always like eggs and fruit. It's always like overnight oats. Some people who are doing carnivore, it's like the leftovers from the thing before the night, but it's like, it's dialed in. There's no choice bias. It's just like, this is what I do to start the day. It's like a blessing. It's a kickstart. It, when the meals always fit the same criteria, it's typically high in protein. Um, it's high in vitamins and minerals. It is best when it's easy to digest and it's very quick and convenient. So for me, what that oftentimes looks like is a power protein smoothie, right? I'll take a, for me, because I found that dairy proteins give me the whole uh, mucus kind of scenario. Use a plant-based protein powder, throw in some super greens, throw in some berries, almond milk, hemp seeds, chia seeds, um, blend that up. And it's just like, that's awesome. You know, I'm getting like, basically if I eat nothing else for the rest of the day, but like weird stuff, I'd be getting all the vitamins and minerals and stuff that I need for the whole rest of the day in one quick and convenient decision that gives me energy and that I don't need to think about. And guess what? If I want to have different kinds of foods, I can do that later in the day. I think dinner is for variety. First two meals a day for consistency. So that's just an example of how you can start to get traction on something like a nutrition habit. You create a tangible target, something that's clear, and you start to rock with that. So for example, if you want to improve your sleep, we talked about a lot of different variables. What I would do is write them out into a sleep routine, a yes. sleep plan. What are my three or four things that I do sleep? Well, I take a warm shower or bath within an hour of going to bed. I brew myself some kind of sleepy tea and I set out, you know, some magnesium and melatonin on the side of the bed. And do you know what? I realized that my room is way too damn light. So I'm actually going to go on Amazon today and buy some blackout curtain sticky thing or get a face mask. So you buy the one or two resources that you need. You write out the sleep plan. 
And I think it's like not good enough to just write it out on your phone. I think it's good to write it out like in tangible paper and like put that visually in your room, in your environment. So it's like a trigger. It's like a booby trap trigger. So you see that and it's time. I would also yeah. set an alarm on your phone that says like, hey, dude, time to go to bed because there's going to be a moment when you're like, but I'm still doing this kind of thing. And I guess the one thing I want to steer this conversation to um, that's as important as in all these tactics is you need to, especially in the early times when you have a sense that you want to improve an area of your life, get massively clear emotionally on why these things are so important to you. Because like we have many aspects of our mind, and I'll even say in our brain regions that lead to the expression experience of our mind, some of them are logical prefrontal cortex planning aspects that we're talking about now, but we also have this deep emotional limbic brain. The thing that like is the basis of the subconscious urges that kind of come up, the kind of nudges and the feelings, the resistance patterns that we have, like that area of the brain is, is changed and rewired when we create new powerful neuro associations about why this stuff matters. So like, if you want to improve your nutrition, I, I recommend, and we do this with all of our fit fathers in our programs is like you write down how and why your current behaviors with your health and whatever area you want to improve is affecting every area of your life. I want mm -hmm. you to look at the pain and forecast that shit out. If you don't make changes, like how bad could this get? And like, do you actually want to go there? I want you to forecast out the good stuff of what the future could be and like willingly accept the cost, but do some of this deep emotional journaling work. It's just as important because now we're working on the deeper limbic areas as well as the plan, the tactics. And when you get all that stuff combined with also booby trapping your environment and paving the path, then you can change. So again, it's not simple. We're complex. Not only are, is the human being complex, but our environment is complex. The stresses and pressures are complex. So our system for, to actually be robust and like iterative needs to have like relationship to all these factors. Yeah, really good, man. Really good. Very helpful. I think uh, people that are listening should go back the last three minutes and just listen to it one more time. A lot of good nuggets in there for changing your behavior and really executing on this stuff. One final question for you, uh, Anthony, and that is about testosterone, something that's become pretty relevant for my audience. Um, you talked about erectile dysfunction, which is quite a bit more prevalent in younger demographics. And um, I'm just curious what you're observing in your clientele and if you have any comments on testosterone and some of the lower levels that we're seeing typically in men these days. And for someone who does have low T, what are things that they can do to maybe get those numbers back up again? Yeah, I mean, there is... I'll use the word war loosely, but there is a not so silent anymore epidemic of men being completely low T like, yes. and, and this is a modern phenomenon, right? This yep. was not something that we experienced even a couple hundred years ago. And if we, and if we look at like the timeline of, of human history and progression, as far as we know and understand it, 200 years of time-lapse is like a blink relative to our history, right? So yep. what does that tell us? It tells us that these are environmental factors. Something is changing in our environment. It's not our genetics. It's not something like this. Something's changing and putting pressures on us that are leading to these problems. And I'll, I'll quickly outline my understanding of these pressures. One, cortisol and testosterone have an inverse relationship. So our stressful lives like are destroying test levels. If you want to get a guy to be tanked on test, get him to be super stressed and don't have him sleep a lot. So the fact that we're not sleeping and we're not doing this is like, is, is, is obviously having a big impact, but it's also environmental chemicals and plastics and toxicants. Like we have a substantial number of estrogenic compounds through just industrial processes as plastics that disrupt the male endocrine system. 
it's all over the place. We have these. If you're heating things in plastic, if you're eating any like conventionally grown stuff, like the number two pesticide that we use for all the major crops is called atrazine. Atrazine is sprayed on rice. It's sprayed on corn. It is feminizing. It is a feminizing agent. It blocks uh, the conversion. It blocks testosterone, and it can actually just like they've even shown it with with other uh, other animals. They can actually convert them to a different sex. They can change male frogs to female frogs by by actually bathing them in atrazine. And we're bigger we're bigger creatures than this, so it doesn't exactly happen to us as directly, but it is in, impacting our 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 cells. We're eating diets that are devoid of the nutrients that our testes need for optimal functioning. We're eating diets that are inflammatory, that are not supporting good testicular function. We are not often exercising as much. We're dysregulated with circadian rhythms. And this is a very unpopular, but I'm just going to tell you the truth because that's what I've been doing. We also now have little microwaves called iPhones sitting in our pockets near our testicles at all times. And these things do kick off bands of radiation that are harmful for mitochondria and that are harmful for our testicular cells. And we're not getting exposure to the natural light that is good for us. And we're largely depleted in vitamin D, which is essential for testosterone synthesis. So what does someone do about this? Well, if you're feeling like crap, good to get your levels checked. If you're in your 20s and your 30s, I would I would caution you against starting TRT now. Like TRT is where you're taking exogenous testosterone through the form of shots. Typically shots are like the best way people do it, but there's also pellets or some creams, but you're basically getting external testosterone. You're saying that the way I'm going to roll for the foreseeable future, potentially rest of my life is to get external testosterone because my system's not going to work. And when you take external testosterone in the form of TRT, which is the same thing effectively as a steroid cycle, like steroids can be testosterone. There's other steroids that are not prescribed in the context of TRT, but it's just really the dose. Mm -hmm. Someone on a steroid cycle of testosterone versus TRT, they might be taking anywhere from three to 10 times the dose of TRT, but it's the same concept. It will shut down your own internal production. And I guess I'm biased as a naturopathic physician. I believe there's a time and place for external hormones, maybe when you're older and you can like hold off as long as possible, but I don't think it's optimal to need to like have to take a shot to get balance levels for the rest of your life or to suppress your natural production. I think it's best to start with how, how do we increase this naturally first? So yeah. I would get your test levels checked. I would get your vitamin D level checked and I would optimize your vitamin D. What they found is getting your vitamin D at the high end of the upper range, 70 nanograms per deciliter is positively beneficial on testosterone, raises testosterone levels mm. in men. I would also okay. supplement with the minerals that are key for testosterone function, primarily zinc and magnesium. I would also look into getting shilajit, which is a resinous material that they found in certain mountains like the Himalayas. The yogis up there who live for a long time used to just eat this resinous material. And it's, it's full of these things called fulvic and humic acids that do help improve a lot of cool things, improving testosterone levels as well. So get your mineral game on point. Now for sleep, zinc and magnesium could be beneficial things to take as a part of your little sleep, sleep stack could be really, really good. I would look at the places where I'm getting grains in my diet that are not organic like non-organic wheat, non-organic rice, non-stuff like that. And I would either switch to organic or really just like limit the grains in a big way. I would start increasing my proteins and my healthy fats. I would certainly be eating a couple whole high-quality eggs. I would certainly be increasing my intake of high-quality grass-fed, grass-finished meats or fishes or things like this. Now, that's not to say if you follow a plant-based diet that you can't do all this. You certainly can. Um, it's just like, it, you just probably will have to supplement with a couple other factors that could be beneficial. I would have all these guys listening to this, start taking creatine monohydrate 
It is not just a bodybuilder supplement. It is so good for cognitive health. It can improve testosterone levels uh, and it can maintain muscle mass. It just generates more ATP in your body. Three grams consistently of creatine monohydrate is a, is a really good idea for almost everyone. I would start strength training three times per week. Um, and then I would get your levels rechecked on that kind of plan in, I'd say, three to six months. If you want to take things to the next level, you can get red light or infrared light and, and get your testicles to have that kind of light. Light is a signal for your testes to produce testosterone. What they found is people who bathe their testes in red light or infrared light, or even just like the full sunlight in the morning does increase testosterone levels. This is a full, full connected system. And I, I know the whole cell phone thing. I don't want to really get into that. We all have phones in our pockets, but like you mark my words, if you're hearing this now, you will hear a conversation over the next five to 10 years. Where we're going to learn so much more. We already know, and I'm happy to send you privately the, the presentation I've done on this about just like the massive detriment of these things on our mitochondria and particularly on testicular function in men, if possible, like try not to keep your, your phone or your laptop on your junk. Uh, as much as possible, especially if you're looking to to get fertile. Yeah, yeah. We actually had a guest, uh, probably like nine months ago, who he and his wife could not get pregnant for like three or four years, and he basically just stopped putting his phone in his pocket, and they got pregnant. Like I don't know, a few months after that, like it was it was that powerful. So anyway, it is. dude, you are a wealth of knowledge. I feel like we could keep talking, but I want to respect your time. Thank you so much for this. Uh, if people want to find out more about what you're up to, Anthony, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I think for everyone listening here, you know, I mentioned that I run Fit Father Project is my main men's health and fitness company. It's geared primarily for dads over 40, uh, but all my methodology still works for younger guys. It's just like you'll get ahead of the game. So if you want to get like a badass fitness training, nutrition, supplementation, and you want to like get ahead, fitfatherproject.com is where you can learn that. I also sure. recommend you go to our YouTube channel. Um, I think we have like over 500 different videos there. About 600,000 people subscribe to that. So like, check that out. Lots of videos, lots of good training information. And obviously, if you like listening to my thoughts on things, there's a whole rabbit hole to dive on there. So YouTube, Fit Father Project or fitfatherproject.com. You got it, man. We're going to put links in the show notes to all of that. In the meantime, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Amazing. Well, I, man, I just learned so much in that interview. <laughs> that was that was amazing. That was really fantastic. So uh, there's a lot to learn here from Anthony. Here's what I'm going to recommend. I'm going to recommend that you guys go to fitfatherproject.com and check out more of his stuff or to his YouTube channel. Okay. His YouTube channel has over 600,000 subscribers for a reason. This guy is like really killing it. And he really provides, I think, just just valuable, easy to understand content. So we'll put links in the show notes to both. Go check them out. And if you're listening to this and you're saying, you know what, it's time. Like I, I get it. I know I need to quit porn. I can see how this is going to improve my physical life, my mental life, my emotional life, uh, everything. If you, if you are maybe starting to just, you know, connect the dots and realize that it's time for you to quit porn and get free for real. Well, I want you to do something really simple. Okay. There's a link in the show notes for you to book a time with somebody in, in our uh, on our team. And basically what we want to do is understand your situation better and see if what we have is going to be a good fit for you. Uh, there's no high pressure tactics or gimmicks. We're really big on that. It kind of looks like a, a standard sales process, but the calls are designed to understand your story. And then we will talk about our program if it's a good fit. And if it's not, no big deal. We might even be able to redirect you somewhere else where you can get more help. So the link is in the show notes and really you should not waste another minute, especially if your situation is dire, if things are slipping away and you know 
that something's got to give. Link is in the show notes. In the meantime, guys, thank you for listening. And really quick, if there is somebody in your life who maybe is struggling with their health, struggling with their nutrition, their fitness, uh, maybe their supplements, whatever it might be, this is a chance for you to maybe save their life by sharing this content with them. Make sure you do that. In the meantime, much love to you. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast, and you wanna show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.